Come sit on Daddy's lap. I'll tell you a story about that time the glam rockers got stuck on a deserted island. Grandpa, the story sounds made up. Shut up. Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where we do an episode-by-episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly outrageous, and in this episode, episode 20, Island of Deception, it is truly, truly chipwrecked. This is the Gilligan's Island episode. This is another episode by Mary Scrennis. Yeah, she wrote In Stitches in the World Hunger Shindig. So our episode starts with the holograms and the misfits both getting on a cruise ship at the docks of some of some place. Yeah, they're on their way to a concert. Well, Gem and the Holograms are on their way to a concert. The Misfits are suspicious that the Holograms aren't taking, like, a plane to the concert. They assume it must be some sort of, quote, publicity stunt, and the Misfits want in on it. This seems to be a running theme now, Pizzazz convinced that the Holograms are doing something that's a publicity stunt. Yeah, and I mean, it's like, this one, it's like, you're taking a luxury cruise for two days to get to some place to go to a concert. Pizzazz, you own a yacht. Do you not understand the concept of having other people pamper you? Maybe she thinks that, like, luxury is just something that's supposed to happen to her. I really like Eric in this moment because he takes time to sort of, like, tell everyone that he hates the sea. We see him on his own yacht later on, so he obviously doesn't hate it that much. Maybe he just sort of gets over it in this episode. The Starlight Girls are also, like, being completely left behind on this adventure. Uh, is Mrs. Bailey watching them? Or because every single adult that lives in that house besides Mrs. Bailey is on that boat right now. I guess they're just expected to walk home. Chrissy turns around to say something and the line got garbled, so I can't, I, I never, I watched that three times and I still couldn't understand what the line was. But she turns around to say something to Ashley and her hair ribbons actually change color in one shot. They're like blue in one shot and red in the next. Anyway, Jerrica deserves to spend some quality time with her sweetie. Yeah, and they decide this like in a hotel room. Look, I've been on a couple of cruise ships. That's a hotel room. I've got a date. You mean Jerrica's got a date. Jem talking about Jerrica in the third person. This is just several levels of weird now. And we seem to be encouraging this because Aja's like, who is joining us on deck, Jem or Jerrica? Meanwhile, at the pool, the misfits hate everything about this. They're on a cruise ship with peasants. Jerrica and Rio walk by arm in arm being total schmooples. And they still can't figure out why the holograms are remotely interested in this cruise ship. And Stormer, who sees, like, the schmoopies walking by, is like, maybe they think it's romantic. Which is probably the best statement that anyone can make about the Jericho-Rio relationship. Maybe they think it's romantic. But we get, like, all these prolonged mushy bits with Jerrica and Rio, including this one bit on the deck where they're just staring into each other's eyes for a really long time and then they kiss. And I guess it's supposed to be romantic, but it's just creepy. They're disgusting. They are disgusting in several places around the ship. So then we get to the dinner scene, which I kind of love. Jerrica is quote unquote skipping dinner, but everyone in the holograms group is invited to the captain's table for dinner, including Rio. And then we get this bit where like, apparently the captain's a huge fan of Gem and the Holograms because quote, his granddaughter gave him their CD or their album for Christmas. And now he's a huge fan and the crew quarters are plastered with their posters. Ew. A crew that is probably predominantly male for months at sea. Ew. Pizzazz asks why the holograms are at the captain's table, and uh, the waiter sums it up in a less creepy way by just saying, the captain likes their music, and Pizzazz immediately fires back, the captain's a jerk! Yeah, sure, Pizzazz, just badmouth the captain while you're on his boat, nothing could go bad with that. 
Anyway, the captain notices that the misfits are pitching a fit about how awful everything is, including the music, which they call Strictly Funeral. I love it. Pizzazz is so great this episode. And then the captain asks the holograms to perform. It's just sticking your finger in the wound and twisting it around, right? Well, how about a song from the holograms? And the holograms respond with, like, the sleepiest song that I've ever heard them sing. They got this, like, spoken word opening to it, too. This is Set Your Sails by the holograms. I have it written down as the sleepiest song to ever start with Set Your Sails for Adventure. Everybody's got pirate outfits. There's this weird, like, rainbow bird that looks like it should be in Xanadu. And it shoots out of the end of Alja's guitar. Also, Rio is here a lot. Space dancing with Rio. Also, Jim doesn't get a cool pirate outfit. She just gets this, like, dress. A waif dress, yeah. Everybody else has got awesome pirate outfits. And there's a pirate ship. And I've got a note here that just says Jem's eyeball turns red. Audience, I know it sounds like we're just saying random things, but these all really happen. Yeah, there's not much of a narrative to this music video. It just sort of happens. And then then you wake up like a minute and a half later. And the holograms have completely left the dining room in the middle of dinner. I guess they're done. It's over. Out. I have written down here, holograms leave in the middle of dinner, accosted by terrible British accent. There's this crewman who's got like the worst accent. He's like somebody trying to be a cockney thug. Hello, hello, what's this then? Got some glam rockers, what what? Bangers and mash. Dick Van Dyke heard this and went, whoa, that's too much. He basically tricks them into getting into a boat, into a lifeboat. They buy this. He's like, stay in the lifeboat until the captain walks by and then you pop out and say happy birthday. They get shoved in a lifeboat. They totally go along with this. And then it turns out that terrible accent guy was working for the Misfits, which, did they set this up during the song? Yes, probably, I guess. They, they know this guy personally, apparently. This is just another person that Pizzazz knows for some reason. Anyway, hijinks. Through a series of improbable events, the hologram's lifeboat is launched and the misfits uh, fall into the water and get along with the lifeboat too. And then the lifeboat somehow goes away. So they're just sort of floating in the ocean. Jim shouts, oh no, Stormer! And we see Stormer going down and then we cut to commercial Memento Mori. Stormer's going to die by Stormer dolls now. That's unusual. You don't usually see any of the misfits about to die on a commercial break. Yeah, Stormer just sings like a rock for some reason. She must have like 0% body fat. She just, boom, gone. Jem goes down, grabs her. We have that tiny minor plot point where the water just sort of messes with the hologram earrings. Sorry, the gem star earrings. The Synergy's holograms blocked only by bears, being in Washington, D.C., and occasionally going more than eight feet underwater. So she flits to Jerrica for a sec. Stormer seems to see her while she's like flailing underwater, brings her back up. She turns back to Jem, and then we just sort of find a deserted island. I've got a note here that just says, Jem saves Stormer's life, slightly homoerotic. Yeah, they kind of do this embrace underwater. Anyway, they wash up on a deserted island, and Jem has just enough wherewithal to, like, make an arrow out of driftwood pointing into the woods before she passes out. And she and all the rest of the holograms sort of come to first. And they're like, so Stormer saw me as Jerrica... And Aja says, make a gem hologram. And Jem says, a hologram's not the answer. Yes, it is. It's always the answer. It's also worth noting that everybody's like glam outfits are, are ripped for no reason. And I love it. Artful desert island ripping. What about being stranded in the ocean makes your clothing jagged like that? 
You know that episode of Futurama that had uh, the cast of Star Trek in there? Immediately once Melbar decides they're going to fight to the death, we switch back to the uh, to the Star Trek guys and Shatner just sort of rips his shirt a little just preemptively. I think it's like that. So the misfits wake up. Uh, they kind of sneer at each other. Uh, Stormer brings up that she shot Jerrica. None of the holograms seem worried about this, but Stormer's, Stormer turns to Kimber. It's like, you're her sister. Aren't you just a little worried? I feel like Stormer is our representative in Gemworld on several occasions. I think she is. I think she's that character who, if not trope savvy, she's at least she at least has common sense applied more often than anyone else. One of the misfits finds the arrow that Jem set up last night. Everyone decides to pretend that Jerrica's somewhere off on the island adventuring. Yeah, Jerrica made an arrow to point to the jungle. Uh, Jem actually makes a really good point here, Jerrica. She says Jerrica was in fact a Girl Scout, and so that she would know some survival things, like why don't you head to the highest point in the island to actually, you know, set up a smoke signal, which is, you know, solid adventuring. We find out later that basically, like, Aja, Shayna, and Kimber... They're foster sisters to Jerrica. Uh, Kimber's a blood sister, but you know what I mean. They're all sisters. They all grew up together. Jerrica was the only one in Girl Scouts? I guess they only needed one daughter to supply cookies for the whole family. No, Jerrica, we don't want more freaking cookies. Well, anyway, the holograms are like, let's set up food and shelter. Pizzazz starts getting really mad about not being in charge of things, and Shayna snaps again. Like, listen here, Pizzazz. Just this once we're going to work together. Together, you hear? I love, I love the underlying threat that's like, or I'll snap you like a twig. I love when Shayna just goes off because it's completely unexpected. It's totally great. She's like this demure mother character. And then you have like those moments like in the Venice episode where she just totally loses it. And she's like, I'm about to go on a murder spree. It's always the quiet ones. Everybody starts volunteering for different tasks. Pizzazz says, what am I supposed to do? Build a radio out of seashells? No, you build a radio out of coconuts. Obviously. Get it together, Pizzazz. God, it's like you didn't even watch TV. Pizzazz and Kimber end up catching a huge fish. It doesn't make any sense. Don't worry about how they do it. Pizzazz spits it and they carry it over to the fire and Pizzazz shouts, Feast your eyes, peasants! This might be my new favorite Pizzazz line. I feel like I need that on a shirt. I mean, this 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 might in fact beat out Little Miss Pink Hair and the sing-alongs. And as they're calling out that they've got food ready, Stormer is... What is she doing? Is she just picking flowers? Yeah, that's all she's doing. And and she goes off to like go eat and then a wild boar sticks its head out of the flower bush. Kill the pig! Slit its throat! Drink its blood! No, Annie, no! Well, can we at least like put its head on a stick and carry it around as a metaphor for Satan and, and the corruptive nature of sin? No. Well, then what's the freaking point of having a boar on an island? I do love how ominously this boar is played up. We see it and it zooms in and it plays like this ominous thrum of music. And like its little eyes narrow. Later when we hear it, sque- hear it squeal in the distance, it's like the middle of the night and everybody's like, oh, so spooky. I love it. But my next note here just says awkward eating noise. They're all eating the fish and declaring that it's the best fish they've ever eaten, which really, it's just fish cooked over a fire, like no salt, no nothing. I am dubious that any of them even know how to clean a fish. Pizzazz especially. And then they hear the boar noise, and Pizzazz starts doing spoken word poetry in front of the fire. Yeah, she just stands up and she's like, that's it, it's time for a frickin' song. And then we pop into the Misfits, it takes a lot to survive. A lot spelled A-L-O-T, no space. Yep, this title makes me very angry. 
Uh, no, that makes me really happy. That means we have an a lot to survive. Yeah, like the uh, the hyperbole and a half comic. That giant fuzzy monster. You can't survive without an a lot. Imagining like a survival a lot with like paint underneath. I- I'm imagining an a lot dressed up like Rambo. Really? Because I- I'm picturing it a lot with like the little barrel of whiskey around his neck. The survival a lot comes to find you in the wilderness. Anyway, uh, magic fire turns all of our misfits into, uh, they they go through transformations into jungle outfits, which I think are the same outfits they were wearing in the, when they were making that movie. It's got like fur and tiger stripes and stuff. They also turn into fire elementals at one point. The whole music video is just like the holograms being menaced by, by dangers on an island. Including Shelob, Queen of Spiders. And also flying tiki masks. Honestly, the holograms look so bored during this entire video. I do like the uh, animation on the fiery glam rockers. Yeah, the, the fire elemental stuff is fairly well done, even if it makes no sense. The song is basically just them lecturing the holograms around a fire. And once they're done, they all just sort of go to sleep. And when they wake up, the misfits and the survival kit are gone. Gasp. Nobody could have seen this coming. Who would have thought? We, we actually go straight to the misfits. Because Pizzazz has said, well, it's weird that nobody's worried about Jerrica, so she must be up to something on that cliff. You were so close. You were so close, Pizzazz. And then we actually see the resolution of our little commercial break plot point with the boar. We get a wild boar attack. A bunch of them, like 12 wild boars just attack the misfits all at once. In like a line, in like a lineup, like they're the freaking Rockettes. It's like reverse Lord of the Flies at work here. Pizzazz and Roxy climb a tree, but Stormer is almost trampled and that's when we get our uh, our commercial break. So uh, Memento Mori, Stormer is probably going to die at any second. She's almost died twice. Stormer dolls haven't been selling nearly as well as the others. You should totally buy a Stormer doll, you guys. They're going to be limited edition soon. When we come back from our commercial break, the holograms are walking through the forest looking for the misfits and they hear screaming. So they go take a look and we see our, we see our scene of... Uh, Stormer almost dying again. Jericho just sort of touches her ear and tells Synergy to help. So Synergy responds by making an, an African elephant. She makes an African elephant. On an island. Not a pygmy elephant, a full-size elephant on an island. No one no one questions it. No one bats an eye. They're just like, oh, an elephant's here now. An African elephant. Didn't they just leave California like two days ago? That's totally how oceans work. As it charges the warthogs off, it like charges behind all the glam rockers and none of them decide they're going to pay attention to the giant multi-ton beast that could easily squash them. It's apparently rampaging. Elephants kill a bunch of people in both Africa and India. Uh, but no, it's fine. They're fine. But we get more like girlfriendy bits with Gem and Stormer then. The misfits and the holograms finally work together and they go up towards the cliff. And then... Something that is definitely not a spider lands on Kimber's hand. This is like if some alien had had a spider described to them. First off, this thing is like the size of a dinner roll. It's got like eight gigantic legs that don't work in the way that even a tarantula's legs do. It's got compound eyes like a fly. I don't know what this thing is. But Stormer rescues Kimber from the evil spider bug with a stick. Yeah, she just sort of brushes it off. Kimber gets all, oh, thank you for saving me, Stormer. And Stormer's like, meh. And the next little bit on their way through the jungle is them getting attacked by birds. They come across a bunch of parrots and the parrots fly off and they go, ah! Yeah, and then they find a spring and it's surrounded by toucans. Where the heck are they? But my favorite part about finding this spring is, of course, they're like, fresh water, clean hair. Obviously the most important part here. How long have they gone without washing their hair? Not long, I'm guessing. They're glam rockers. How often do they wash their hair? So everybody goes for a swim. 
uh, except Aja, who sits on a tree branch or something. And then she's almost attacked by a snake. And instead of like saying, Aja, look out, Jem is like, Synergy, help out. So Synergy takes this initiative to summon Jerrica to stop the snake with her hologram eyes. This Jerrica hologram just kind of Tarzans into the oasis as Aja runs away from the snake. And then she like intimidates the snake with her glowing pink eyes. Because snakes care about that kind of thing. This is like back in the early days of Green Lantern where Hal Jordan was weak to like yellow light. The Jerrica hologram says that something about uh, she's heading up to the top of that cliff and then runs off into the jungle and disappears. And so the misfits decide that they need to get up to the top of the cliff right now. Which is like, great, we were going there anyway. So they scale it, they get to the top, and what could be at the top of the cliff but a freaking like, bungalow. He looks almost exactly like the house from Horrors of Spider Island. And it's got a gramophone in there playing, playing drum noises for no reason. It's like the Jumanji music. They go up to approach it, they take the record off because this is ridiculous, and a guy in a t-shirt and cutoff shorts wearing a tiki mask hops in from the window and goes ooga booga booga. We wish we were joking, we're not. They see that he's wearing sneakers. And they're like, he's a fake! And the misfits, like, immediately tackle him to the floor. They're like, oh, this isn't an evil spirit. This is just some dude. Punch him. And so he goes down, and as soon as he loses his mask, the first words out of his mouth are, He broke my gramophone! And his name is Angus Bean. Like, actually, the first words out of his mouth after Ooga Booga Booga were, You broke me gramophone. He is a Scottish hermit. How do we, how do we even start with Angus McBean? McAngus McBean. McAngus McBean, for one thing, likes Stormer. Oh, he's like, do you believe in love at first sight, lads? Yeah, because he's a hermit because of a broken heart. I I have it written down as he starts waxing fedora at them. The weird part is that when he asks Stormer if she believes in love at first sight, she like, she takes this question seriously and answers honestly. I don't know. Love's never been easy for me. And then this weird, creepy interaction between a hermit and a glam rocker apparently has Jem thinking about Rio. This is a piece of trivia that I got from rockgen.com about this episode. From Mary Scranis, apparently, in an interview, said that this is a point when they were going to have the third song of the episode. Uh, Mary Scranis had written a point here for them to do the song Love Ain't Easy, which they end up using uh, later on in the show. But they cut it for some reason. So this was supposed to be a a cue for a song. It's not a very good cue, but this was supposed to be a cue for a song instead of just saying this like, I guess love isn't easy for anyone and then just sort of dropping it. So it turns out Angus has a radio. Yeah, he doesn't have a telephone, which of course, but he has an old radio transmitter. And he says that like the last time he tried to hail a ship, he sat there for like, what, six months? Yeah, couldn't raise a thing. Jem's there for an hour. Well, never mind, too, that, you know, they've got Synergy beaming in, and Synergy has to come from somewhere, so Synergy could figure something out and redirect the ship. Yeah, Synergy can't make a phone call. Synergy can hack into digital records to find out when charges were made to random shops. Synergy can surely use some kind of satellite triangulation to get a message to this this freaking ship. But then we would miss out on Rio's awful periwinkle stubble. Oh my god. Jem sends out her little tired mayday and it gets picked up by the cruise ship and then we go into the communications room where we've got a guy actually doing his job and then Rio standing there in like his tux and periwinkle stubble. That's right, guys. Every single stupid hair color in this show is completely natural. Rio has purple stubble. Rio's beard comes in purple. 
I'd like to think that what happened here was like the guy was this communications officer has been has been doing his job for, you know, a day or two at this point. Rio has been here the whole time with his chair, just like a foot away from this dude, just sitting there staring over his shoulder. He probably tells this guy about his love life. This this communications officer is his new hot dog friend. But yeah, they get the message and Rio immediately pops up and goes triangulate that signal. So the communications officer, mind you, is the one who does his job and finds them. And then the cruise ship arrives to the deserted island. And what's really great is that the, the, the ship's coming up to the island and Eric Raymond and Rio are on the deck. Eric says, I can't believe it. The uh, holograms and the misfits working together. And Rio's like, let me see. And grabs the uh, binoculars. But the ship arrives to rescue everybody. And, and as Rio's looking through the, uh, the binoculars, he says, oh, I don't see Jerrica and Jem. And then he swings over to look at the, like, veranda of the house and goes, oh, there they are. And it's just Jerrica and Jam standing next to each other, mirrored, doing the same wave. And then they run into the house together for some reason. And they switcheroo so that Jerrica is back to normal and they're projecting a gem hologram elsewhere because Jerrica wants to hug Rio and you can't hug a hologram. And so Jerrica and Rio come splashing into the water together. They hug and Jerrica says, I knew you'd find us, Rio. Rio? Rio found them? Rio didn't do jack. Rio grew stubble. Rio hung out in a room and didn't shower. If anything, he made it harder to find them. That poor communications officer, right? Like, if they do another newspaper spread about this, which they probably will, Rio will probably get credit again as the person who rescued them. But on the boat ride back, Kimberta Stormer is like, hey, maybe maybe after we survived on an island together, we, we can be friends. Lol, no. And the misfits are like... <laughs> No, no, thank you. That like, oh, was worth a shot. And Jarek is like, looks like everything's back to normal. And just like normal, our episode ran short. So we repeat both set your sails and it takes a lot to survive. And then we've got another superstar PSA. I really love this one. Bonnie and some toe-headed brats are walking down the street. One of them said he's got a headache and the blonde girl is like, I just picked up my dad's prescription from the pharmacy. You should take some of these. Is this like a seven-year-old girl? I, I would say she's even younger than that. I would I would even hazard that she's like five or six, which why would you let a child that small pick up your prescriptions? And then walk home alone. Like for one thing, I don't think a pharmacist is going to hand a seven-year-old a bag of drugs. And then she just walks home with Bonnie and like some other kid. And so she's like, yeah, you have a headache. My daddy takes these when he has ouchies. And then Jem pops up out of a garbage can again. He's like, don't take that. So Bonnie didn't even have any lines. She wasn't there for any reason. But the little toe-headed kid figures out, don't put it in your mouth. And that's our episode. That about wraps it up for us this week. Join us next week when we do Old Meets New, a.k.a. one of the two episodes that says old people are better than you. And it also tries to tell you that white people started rock and roll. I'm gonna be yelling. Yeah, look forward to Kit throwing a fit. A kit fit. Ugh. You can find the Gem Jam every Sunday on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. We are also on Tumblr and Twitter. We are a Patreon supported podcast. You can find us on there at the Gem Jam. If you like what we do and you can spare a few bucks, that'd be totally cool if you want to donate. If not, just spread the word. We always love that too. So until next week, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this has been the Gem Jam, where an outrageous tide raises all boats. <laughs>